Hey there, and welcome to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one precious page of Talmud every day. Today's stuff, Yevamot 31, takes things to a well, pretty grim place. Have a listen. Abaya raised an objection to Rabbah by citing a case where even in places of doubt, the woman requires chalitza. As we learned in the Mishnah, a house fell on him on a certain man and on his brother's daughter to whom this man was married. And he was childless and it is unknown which of them died first. If the deceased wife had a rival wife, then her rival wife must perform chalitza but may not enter into levirate marriage. If the man had died first, then at the time of his death, the rival wife was forbidden to the Yavam as the rival wife of his daughter and exempt from leveret marriage. If, however, the daughter had died first, then at the time of the husband's death, the second wife was not the rival wife of a forbidden relative and requires leveret marriage. It is due to this doubt that she must perform chalitza and may not enter into leveret marriage. Now look, if you've just listened to this bit of Talmud and think that it's all just ephemeral, way too complicated, just a bunch of rabbis making up hypotheticals about a house falling down and people and who died first and why it matters. I want to tell you a story about a man I deeply admire. His name was Rav Ovadia Yosef, and he was for many years Israel's chief Sephardic rabbi. I have a sticker with his image on the back of my smartphone, and whenever someone asks me why I walk around with this bearded guy in my pocket, I tell him, the story of Rav Avadia during the Yom Kippur War. When Israel was attacked on Judaism's holiest day in 1973, all able-bodied men, my father among them, rushed out of synagogue and towards the front lines. Because for the first time since prevailing in the War of Independence in 1948, it seemed like the state of Israel might not make it, like its enemies might prevail. Israel, thank God, won, pushing back the attackers and snatching a glorious military victory from the jaws of near-certain defeat. But many paid with their lives, and many of those who died left behind not even a body, which raised the very same question, very practical, nothing theoretical about it, that Abaya and his friends debated in today's page of Talmud. And like their ancient predecessors, Israel's modern-day rabbis grappled with these issues of how to truly ascertain who was truly deceased and whether the women left behind were permitted to marry once again. In other words, what to do when there was intense doubt. No one was more instrumental in leading this major humanitarian effort with care and compassion than Ovadia Yosef. Earlier this year, his son, Rav David Yosef, himself a celebrated rabbi in Israel, spoke at Harvard's Julius Rabinowitz program on Jewish and Israeli law, telling us what it was like to be there by his father's side when he dealt with his deeply painful and very real undertaking. Have a listen. Then, at the, year, the end of the year 1972, he became chief rabbi of Israel. He became the president also, the president of the Supreme Rabbinical Court. And... One year after, the end of uh, 1973, it was the war, Yom HaKippurim War. It was terrible war. I was, at that time, I was uh, in my teenagers, and um, 
I was next to my father all the time, and uh, we were worried very much about what is happening. After the war finished, the prime minister came to my father. At the beginning, it was Golda Meir. She was the prime minister. With the minister of defense was Moshe Dayan. Both of them, they checked about what to do with the women. Their husband uh, died, were killed in the war, and um, they are married. At, uh, at the war, uh, maybe almost uh, 3,000 Israeli soldiers died. Almost 3,000. But almost 1,000, almost 1,000 were married. So according to the Jewish law, their wives cannot get married again until we are sure that her husband passed away. So about that, we need a testimony or proofs, some proofs that he died. For most of the cases, it was not so complicated because uh, there was a dead body and uh, they identified the body or uh, the friends identified or they have some something in the body and there, there, are, there were many, many things to be able to identify. But many, many, there was not even one hint what, what happened to them. An example, pilots. Pilots went to bomb Egypt and they didn't come back. They went to bomb Syria and they didn't come back. So maybe they are uh, prisoners. Maybe they died. So Syria and Egypt at that time, they were lying when they said, we have, we don't have. Uh, in the end, they brought back uh, many soldiers. I don't, I don't remember, maybe a few hundred soldiers they brought back. And for sure, some, they killed themselves and they hide the, the dead body. So we knew that. So it was very difficult to check who is dead, who is not. Especially pilots, it was difficult, but not only pilots. An example, big tank. Tank, four or five soldiers that are in the tank. So sometimes it got a big missile and it burned all the tank, burned the soldiers didn't have the time enough to jump from it. So they were burned alive and they died. And uh, many times it happened that uh, even uh, only, only ash, only ash there was, no, nothing, no, no dead body. So to, to know if they died or not, it's not, it was not easy. So the prime minister and the minister of defense came to my father and told him, of course, it was a secret. He had to sign that he will not tell anyone. And he was sitting and uh, learning about every soldier, what happened. And uh, some, they had a disc. They had like a, something, it was written their name. And uh, this one was strong, but even they uh, were burned, 
they, we could see this. Some, they had, uh, every soldier, they had his uh, teeth, uh, exactly how it looks like. And uh, they had picture of that. So many times we, can, we could identify him about that. The biggest problem was with the pilots. Sometimes the pilots, their friends were with them and they saw that the airplane went down and they were watching all the time. They didn't see the pilot jumped from the airplane. It means that he died. He didn't have enough time to jump from the airplane, so he died. So uh, even one, one testifies about uh, the other, it was, it was enough. So my father was sitting day and night. Short time after he started, uh, the government changed in Israel. So the prime minister became uh, Itzhak Rabin. And the minister of defense was Shimon Peres. Both of them also agreed that the only one could do that, it's my father. Because he was the top authority. And they wanted also that after that, when the widow will go to Bedin, she will want to get married. If they see signature of my father that she is allowed to get married, she will. So for my father, he was not a soldier. He was not in the army. He was a rabbi. Since he was a little child, he was learning Torah. He was a rabbi, learning and teaching. For him, when he got uh, all the information, when he saw what happened, it was very difficult for him. He was writing, I remember, he was writing and he was crying. He was crying. At his synagogue in Tel Aviv, there was a man that his son died and he was bound. And my father had to check what to do with his wife. And uh, my father, every Shabbat, when he saw the man, he used to come to tell him Shabbat Shalom. My father couldn't hold himself and he was crying. Crying with the man about his son. And he couldn't sleep at night. He couldn't sleep because he had to walk. And also he was very, very sad to see what happened. When you get close to this story, so sad story, tra big tragedy. Everyone is tra tragedy of family. So it was for him very difficult, but he was holding himself and he wrote responses. All the responses he wrote about that, he published it at his books, Yabia Omer. It's not one book, it's more. It's thousands of pages about Yom Kippurim War. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one 
or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon. Thank you.